0: This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax. And enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Helen Brown, who is the Managing Director of In You Know. So Helen, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for inviting me today. I'm really pleased to be here.
0: Good, good. So where we always start is by getting you to give us a brief introduction um, into yourself and I guess your background and journey today, which is certainly a fascinating one, Helen, from our conversations that we've had offline. So give us a a brief intro into yourself and your background and I guess your your journey to date.
1: Okay, so I started out my career in the NHS um, as a health statistician, leading teams using um, complex health data to improve population health. And about 10 years ago, I took a national lead role to Undertake data and intelligence improvement for NHS England to try and help them understand how they could use their data better to deliver strategic objectives for the NHS. So, this involved leading many projects which influenced policy, worked with regulators, and it supported many organisations across the NHS um, to address a multitude of challenges with their governance and access to data so that they could use their data um, for decision making. So, In um, September 2020, I took the big step of leaving the NHS and I set up my own company in the know. And along with a few colleagues, um, which I've worked alongside with um, for quite a while, we um, decided to set up a company and help other companies across the world um, try and make the most of their data assets.
0: Nice, nice. So really keen to unpack reasons why but first tell us a bit about in the know and and what you guys are are doing
1: so essentially we provide e-learning training and consultancy services and which help companies maximize the utility from their data whilst also addressing um, regulations, um, the legal and contractual agreements and commercial sensitivities and other ethical considerations in the use of data. So basically helping people use their data better, but in a compliant manner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So I guess a long, long time in the NHS, um, a lot of great work. Um, and I'm you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain that when I say you've probably done yourself a disservice with your intro, um, based on some of the things that you've told me that you've done, but um, um, maybe for another story for another time. But what was the what was the catalyst? Why why did you start the business? You know, what was the you know what was the purpose? How how did that kind of how did that come to fruition and come about? It always fascinates me this stuff. You know, someone that's been in an industry for such a long time, been such a pivotal figure in in that industry then decides, actually, I can use these skills to do something else. And, you know, this is what I'm going to do. What what kind of talk us through that?
1: So there wasn't just one reason. There was a number of reasons. I think that I probably start with, I'm really passionate about making the most of data to enable innovation and improvement. And given the increased use of digital technology and use of data, I was aware that so many organisations wanted to use their data more, but they didn't know how to do it. And I felt that the experience that I'd gained working across diverse organisations within health, research, other public and private sector bodies had provided me so many skills that I felt I could help companies on a bigger scale because um, I've been doing that sort of work in the NHS for quite a long time. And, you know, I really felt I could sort of like widen that scope. In yeah. addition to that, there's been sort of like changes in regulations such as GDPR. And now there's, there's increased levels of governance that organisations need to put in place to be compliant. And there's a spectrum of interpretation of what's needed to do that, um, to enable people to be able to use their data, but also to protect it. So, you know, the ability to use sort of transaction level data and for it to be considered anonymized, um, for the data to still have enough utility to use it, um, it's just, and it, it's just really challenging. And I just thought that, you know, I've worked with this sort of data for years and I wanted to share my expertise and, and basically help um, other companies and other sectors make the most of their data in a compliant manner.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, look, obviously, data analytics is all I do and and all you do, right? Um, And every organization in the world now is looking at either doing something with their data, if they're not already doing that, um, or, you know, doing more with their data than they're already doing. And that whole, you know, the the utility of that data, especially for, you know, more highly governed sectors, obviously, um, can be a very... Um, you know, it can, it can be a sore subject to kind of tread across, right, in terms of getting that balancing act right and, you know, not, not you know, one end of the spectrum to the other and trying to find the, the middle ground. But I guess for the purpose of the audience, kind of data utility, as obviously mentioned in the, the title of the podcast, give us kind of, you know, a high level overview of what you mean by this and your interpretation of what data utility actually means.
1: So, data utility for me means how fit for purpose data is for its intended use. So, data needs to be sufficiently complete and valid so that you can gain the value out of the data, and um, so that you can then use that to make the decisions that you need to make.
0: Yep, that makes uh, that makes sense. So, we're talking here about how usable mm. one's organization's data is based on their appetite for risk. Have I, have I got that right?
1: You are, to a point I think that's true. I think when we're referring to data, you know, that's maybe been de-identified so that you can use it for analysis, um, you know, it's the responsibilities of organisations to assess their identification risks and put in controls. um, So to ensure that the risk of identification is sufficiently low to meet regulatory frameworks such as GDPR or HIPAA in the US, Mm. Um, you know, You've got sort of like different situations, though, because you've got where organizations are very risk averse, you know, they can often decide that sharing data is just a little bit too risky for them. Um, On other hand, you've got organizations where using data without any regard um, for for privacy is obviously quite dangerous um, and you leave yourself at risk of um, data breaches and being investigated and fined by regulators. Um, But there's also um, another category of um, organizations too, where there's those that try to put the privacy controls in place, but they don't sufficiently consider the impact of the controls on the actual effectiveness of the use of the data. Um, And and, and that's quite sad and it can have quite, um, you know, big impacts.
0: Yeah. I mean, this stuff fascinates me because a little bit like the podcast itself, right, we've had topics from the legal implications of the realms of data privacy through to, you know, effectively using artificial intelligence to you know monetize your data analytics strategy Um, and it kind of seems like you know the, the all of this is just a balancing act but when I think about some of the common mistakes that I see many organizations make especially ones that are about to go on the start of that journey they jump into this head first and they've kind of ultimately perceive that the value that they're going to be able to generate. So, you know, if we're talking about commercial value, whether that's uh, increasing sales and revenues and profits, reducing costs, you know, um, bettering processes and efficiencies, mitigating risks, whatever, whatever that kind of commercial value piece is, that always tends to be at the end of the advanced analytics spectrum, and they go straight to that. It's kind of like, right, if we need, if we're going to get value from this, we've got to do this, and then retrospectively, you know, when those projects don't add as much value as what they thought, they go right. Well, what's the cause? And they trace the tail back to, hmm, okay, our policies, our frameworks, the, the foundations, in essence, kind of haven't been fit for purpose to really enable us to see the maximum amount of value. And effectively, kind of what you're saying here is that there's varying spectrums, uh, you know, along that spectrum of organizations. So you've got the people that are so risk averse, they just kind of shy away from doing anything with it. You've got the other end that are kind of just like, well, sod the law, you know, (laughs) we're we're going for it. And then you've got um, the other bit that they're trying to find the middle ground, but often the controls that they're putting in place are, I guess, diluting their effectiveness of what they can do with that data and they often don't realise that. Is that absolutely. A fair? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely spot on, Kyle. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest worry for me. Um, you know, I think if people understood they were diluting their data um and diluting the decisions they were making with that data, then that would be one thing. But I think the the challenge is that often they don't see it because it's not that visible. So mm it's um it's a real thing where training is so important
0: yeah so talk us through that then i guess how does that imbalance typically occur and i appreciate you know this will differ organization to organization and you know executive to executive on their appetite for risk and so on and so forth but in terms of that imbalance becoming a thing in in a business as far as the utility of that data how does that kind of come to fruition and then i guess what are the types of conversations that you're having to kind of you know demystify this for for people?
1: Um, so you know to find the perfect balance, you need to understand what you need to use your data for, and you need to do a data protection impact assessment, um, and this helps organisations understand the privacy and their utility risks, and it helps them to be able to choose the controls. Uh, which bet, best fit that situation and context to maintain both privacy and optimising data utility. So when organisations um, put privacy measures in place without considering the impact um, to, to, to data utility is when the imbalance occurs, really. Um, and so many times, um, controls are put in place between privacy Um, and technical teams, but they don't involve the data users and the people that want the analysis out at the end. So they'll say, you know, we'll de-identify the data, we'll we'll mask all this data up, we'll, you know, do do all of the other statistical techniques to the data. But often the the, the people that are going to use that data haven't been involved in it and they don't understand how it's been processed. They don't understand if it's had data quality problems in it before, you know, the processing and therefore they can't necessarily see them and understand what's happened and therefore they they tend to then start to produce analysis which is has got some bias in it and that's where they don't necessarily understand that there's bias in the data um and it's only when they've made decisions on that data and as you say haven't come to the fruition they expected um that they then start to trace back and think well what did i do wrong um you know and that's when they start to dig into it but it's it's very interesting that um you know, um, organisations and the interpretation of some of the regulations um, is very much focused on data privacy rather than um, the, the data accuracy principle, which is, is, is in there in the re- regulations too. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a real shame that it's overlooked and, and, and not so well understood. Um, And it's only sort of like your organisations which really understand their use of data that are picking up on this and are really starting to do something about it now.
0: Mm. I mean, that's it's really interesting. So it kind of sounds like, I mean, as with a lot of things in our industry, there probably needs to be a more collaborative effort in terms of, you know, when these controls are being put in place that there's you know, the right people around that table making their decisions, because I guess, you know, and, and I guess logically it makes sense, right? If you're if you're responsible for the data privacy elements of, of of that kind of team, you know, you want to protect your own backside, right? Making sure that they're in there and, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're risk averse and we don't want that. So let's just, we'll put these in and that's, that that protects us type of thing. But then obviously, as that kind of you go down that road, you know, the utility of that data then bec- means that it's having an impact on the decisions that can be made for the business moving forward, um, which is a problem then for another part of that, um, you know, that, that workflow, I guess, if that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, for certain. So, you know, the, there is the, ch- the there is the, the the issues with the lack of understanding and appreciation um, of data utility until it's too late um, but there's 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 also sort of like areas where you know people have perceived understanding of of um, the risks that are involved. So, for example, you've got. Um, a large data lake, and you know the interpretation is, oh, all of that data can be all linked together, and everybody can access it and use it and abuse it, and so on. And the reality is, you know, that isn't how um, well-governed um, data is um, is managed or used. And you know, when you actually show people how people do analysis and how they access data in in an appropriate manner, you know, it can be a real game changer um so you know perception and reality is 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 another one which is quite quite interesting
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely um how do you go about kind of you know because i guess you, what you're what you're doing now with the business is going into organizations and saying you know these are the consequences if you're too risk-averse these are the consequences if you're you know uh, you kind of don't don't give a hoot so to speak and, and here's what we need to do to find the middle ground and there's controls there's ways of putting controls in there that mm-hmm. you know protect us but allow us to do stuff do do more stuff with the data than maybe we're currently uh, able to how do you kind of bring them kind of two sides back kind of towards that middle ground if that makes sense are you you finding that a lot of the conversations you're having you're kind of talking people down from the ledge so to speak in terms of look you need to be less risk averse because this is having an impact or you need to be more risk averse because it's having an impact if that makes sense
1: i think that sometimes the the easiest way to to get to get to these things is to actually take a specific example and work through it. Yeah. Um, Cause if you go in into a company and you talk about, you know, how risk averse you are and so on um, you know, people have their positions. So, what I tend to do is, is get, get um, a project and work through it with people. And what you can find is that at each stage of the journey, you can ask them questions as to what they're doing, why they're doing and what the consequences are. And, um, and sort of like, if, if you're understanding what they want to get out at the end, you know, you can, you can then sort of like, put the points through the journey where they could do things differently and that's when they can then see what you're you're discussing in context and then they can say well actually you know it might have been our policy to do this in this way at this point but actually with additional technology and advances and things like that we could actually do it this different way and we could actually get this better utility out at the end then Um, or it may be that, you know, their risk of identification is really quite high and you're trying to um, reduce that risk too. So you're trying to do those things. But at each of the time, you know, at each of the stage of the analysis um, journey, it's about sort of like looking at the risks that are involved from from all perspectives. And that seems to have been really effective. And also you're educating people to do it themselves again. Um, So you're leaving those skills on how to do it in those organisations and they seem to be really really incredibly grateful for that. Yeah,
0: I guess from a sector perspective and we touched on this earlier but you know, from obviously more highly governed and restricted sectors, so finance maybe or pharmaceuticals or government or whatever the case may be. Um do, do you find that those conversations are wildly different to I don't know, a retail business, let's say, where it might not be as as governed?
1: it's it's really interesting um so it i'd say from the conversations i've had um, with different companies over the last um few months um we've gone from organizations which are big organizations which um have got absolutely no governance whatsoever (laughs) um on how they use data to 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 those which um have had policies in place for a while and need you know maybe they need updating um and then there's those who who aren't aren't maybe maximizing the use of their data um and they want that they can see competitors and um you know other organizations may be making more use of their data and they're thinking "Well, what are we doing you know are we missing the boat here you know can, can we do things within the that's that's within the regulations and and sort of like maximize the use of our data more so it's just a really wide spectrum and that would be my experience going back over the years as well of all the organizations i've worked with it's very few organizations that have got exactly the same challenges you know it seems like everybody um understands and gets some aspects um that they've they've really done well at and then they've got other aspects where they're struggling but they're never never the same so (laughs) it's always good to keep me on my toes so I like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and that makes sense there's something that you mentioned there which I'm I'm keen to kind of touch upon and get your thoughts on because I, I see this an awful lot. And I mentioned earlier, you know, businesses that are just about to go on the start of that journey, right? We're going to become data-driven or data-led or whatever buzzword they, they decide to use. Um, and they then jump to the analytics part because that's where maybe they perceive the value to be. And often my experience tells me that that's driven by, you know call it what you will, peer pressure, they feel obliged that, you know, the business across the street or our main competitors doing great with AI. And obviously, you know, behind the scenes, we all know that's not the case, because I don't think there's many businesses out there doing, you know, really great with with AI just yet. But my point being that, you know, they they kind of force themselves into a, a certain category, I guess, you know, in terms of where they sit on that spectrum, because of that the pressure around now being a data driven business, is is that something that you see, is that impacting kind of where these businesses fall into this spectrum a little bit, do you think?
1: I think there's a lot of organizations that um, produce their analytics, you know, um, what, what they produce, that their output is, is, is sort of like what's really special to them and that's their sort of like USP, um, and you know they, they probably do start with that in mind um but um it is very interesting that um less effort is put into the data preparation for sure and the understanding of how that preparation then sort of like go, goes up the analytical journey to impact the outputs it's um being able to produce as opposed to what what you produce can can of, often be a uh, attention um but, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. I guess technology, obviously, it's something that we've spoke about be, before. And, um, you know, I'm, I probably get a little bit of flack for this, to be honest with you, because I can be quite vocal on LinkedIn. Um, but I think ultimately, look, to, to me, technology is just an enabler for allow people in our industry to do their jobs, right? And obviously, you know, it's become uh, to, to do it more efficiently, to do it better, whatever the case may be. But what, what what role is tech playing in all of this as far as data utility goes? You know, what are the kind of benefits and challenges that, that you see of kind of having tech as, a, as an enabler in this process?
1: I think um, tech is going to be a huge enabler. Um, and I think that there's a really big developing market in data governance tools, um, which help manage access to data and they help do things like the classification and restrict um, access to data or restrict access to certain fields of data, which you know may be sensitive um, or too detailed. They enable audit of the use of data. And you know they're really being able to provide fast access to data um and as a byproduct they collect and manage a lot of the privacy requirements in the background but by enabling a lot of that privacy to be done in a seamless manner um if you've got the policies in place that are behind these sorts of tools you can also manage your utility you've just got to know how to set it all up and make sure that you know, when you're setting your controls up and setting your, your your technology up, that you've actually thought of those things. So it's about knowing and making sure that the people that are your data stewards and, you know, the people that are managing your data environments really understand all of the risks and they understand what people are trying to use that data for. And it's, again, again there's the communication across your data and privacy professionals and, you know, Bring in. I, I think it's probably going to become a a new profession that you've got people that really understand all of the data and the privacy. I don't think any longer it's going to be a case of doing these things in silos.
0: Yeah, yeah quite timely that you kind of touched on that point, I guess. Um, I, I shared a video this morning of a snippet from another podcast I did at the back end of last year with, um, uh, a lady called Peggy Sai, who's based out in, um, out in the U S who, um, she spent 18 years working for some big global brands, mainly financial institutions, um, in the governance space, kind of leadership roles. And, um, recently, well, last year joined a vendor, who they're a business that have built a products using AI and machine learning to do exactly what you just said around, you know, um, effectively being able to go and source data across the entire organization, classify it, all of that type of stuff to be able to, you know, I guess, automate businesses to be able to get to that single source of truth or reference, as she put it, you know, because that's something that a lot of businesses now are looking at. How, how does that play into the data utility piece because i guess depending upon what you think your single source of truth is let's just use that phrase um i guess that that plays there's some relationship there right within what your data utility is
1: it is for sure so i think some of what what you're trying to touch on is data minimization to some degree you know you collect data and if, if you imagine that to be for, say, multiple purposes in a large organization, you know, you collect the data that's needed to supply um, analysis from, you know, that, that sort of source. Um, and, you know, you sort of like minimize the at, at the collection stage, but then at the storage stage, you're going to store the data that you need. And then when you query data, you're going to query only the fields that you need. You need to minimize at that point. And then when you analyze, you're going to use a minimum amount of data. So, you know, it, it, it's sort of like you've got your minimization approach there. But how you set that data up and how you've classified that data obviously comes into the policies that, um, exist as to what data can be used for what purposes, because obviously you've got contracts and agreements that limit the amount of use of data that you've got and you can use. Um, and also, um, you know, you really, you've got to put in place um, enough governance on who can access that data and all, all of those sorts of things. So it all comes together really on how you can sort of like minimise the use of data for the purpose that's required at you know, the right place at the right time. Um, and you've got that audit trail of how it's being used, and and so on. But one of the important things to do is is to enable um, the users of data. If you train those users of data they can they can put some of the final touches of data minimization and avoidance of singling out themselves in addition to using the technology and that's where you really bring the best out in your data utility so you know you're giving a little bit of flexibility as to how the the data is used at the, the the right stage and one of the really bad things that can happen is if you minimize the use of data too soon then people don't have that choice and therefore they're they're using data that's been pre-aggregated too much um Mm -hmm. you know or over masked or whatever whatever statistical techniques been used um and that's where you you can affect your data but you've also got like how you link your data and all, all of those things, which also um, can cause some good challenges there in that sort of space.
0: Yeah. I mean, fr- from an outsider's perspective, obviously, uh, Helen, because I'm, you know, not technical in this space uh, by any stretch, but that just sounds like, sounds very complicated in terms of trying to get the absolute, you know, most optimization out of your data without breaking policies or doing that, but without, you know, kind of eating into what's available for, for you to use, um, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, to be fair, it has become complicated. And I think it's because the likes of regulations such as GDPR, um, you know, the, the ability to be able to still use granular level data is really difficult um to be able to to ensure that that data is suitably anonymized so that you've got you know sufficient legal basis in many cases to be able to use data um and for it to have sufficient utility it's really tough um, mm-hmm. to get that balance and you know maybe um using training as as a control um, for people so that they can be fully aware of the privacy risks and know how you know what what the causes are how to mitigate them um and also to understand the impact to, to data too um yeah. you know that that really helps um address some of the 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 requirements of gdpr which, and and other regulation which is trying to ensure that data is um appropriately used
0: yeah yeah so i'm i'm keen to jump into the training piece because obviously that's what you're business does right so i'm keen for you you to kind of explain to myself and the audience kind of how you take us on that journey but i guess before we do that Mm -hmm. the data ethics piece because this has been something that you know the last few years has kind of blown up right and i guess you know what we're talking about here is again trying to get that balance not not go too far left or right but you know being able to optimize the data that you've got without um you know without bite, biting into the utility of it and and so forth and so on so where does where does data ethics fit into this because obviously there's always going to be legal implications of if you break policies and you know you get a slap on the wrist and a fine and all that type of stuff if you if you breach and, and things like that but where does the whole ethics piece and you know towing i mean many organizations you know try to toe the line as closely as possible right well, you know to to, to maximize utility I, I i guess but you know i'm just keen to hear your thoughts on ethics and where that sits with, within this realm really
1: well i think um ethics is is just uh, such an interesting question um and i think that you know all use of data needs to be underpinned with transparency accountability and fairness um Organisations need to be asking themselves: Do the data subjects or the companies who've provided them data, you know, are they are they using um, data within those contractual terms? And you know, would people expect their data to be used in the way that data is being used? You know, are the uses of data promoting public good or not? you know, and will there be any sort of discrimination or hardship to any data subjects as a, as a result of the, the use? Um, so, you know, many companies do have like an ethical use of data policy, um, which determines the boundaries for the use of their data. But, you know, as as I'm sure you're pointing towards, um, hypothetically, data, uh, which is completely anonymous and may be used for wider purposes unless otherwise stipulated in contracts and agreements, um, you know, whether that be from data suppliers or data subjects and analysis or algorithms may identify trends which can be found without risk of identification. But it might be that data subjects or companies may not have expected their data to be used for such purposes and you know, th- these may be things which do not promote um, public good and could potentially bring hardship. So you know, ethical use is really, really important. Um, and so I think that there's a real need for people to be really conscious of this when they share data and they need to have their contracts to be sufficiently inclusive of how data can be used in any shape or form. And where you've got companies which are particularly, you know, using AI and machine learning, you know, they really do need to have a framework um, which explains um, their transparency, accountability and fairness as to how they're being used. Um, because just because you've got new tech doesn't mean that you should be doing things with it that um, you shouldn't be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So jumping into the to the training piece then, talk us through, I guess, you know, what a typical training program with in the know looks like when you kind of, you know, land and expand, I guess, into an organization? Um, how, How are you helping organizations with these issues to make sure that they're, you know, optimizing the most from their data utility?
1: So um, in 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 The Know, we've um, developed what's been described as a a privacy training course, which has been made fun. (laughs) Um, So so basically, um, we've we've devised an e-learning training course, which helps organisations maximise their use of data in a compliant manner, Um, helps to manage the risks of privacy breaches and of production of poor quality analysis, um, helps organisations to do things like um, gain public and consumer trust in how data is being used um, and demonstrate regulatory um, compliance. But what's good about it is it bridges the gap between data privacy and analysis it's, it's regularly updated, it's engaging. We've got interactive content with videos, worked examples, exercises, assessments, and it's um, quite fun to do. Um, we've um, put loads of effort into having the course um, reviewed by an international um, expert reference group. Um, we've got it quality assured um, by an international Um, accreditation certification agency called Exyn and when people um, undertake our course they get a digital badge at the end um, which they can promote out on um, social media and the course is is targeted at data scientists, analysts, statisticians, researchers and those who are responsible for governing and working with data um, across all industry sectors and one of the, the, the really cool things about the course is, you know, I think it, it's pretty obvious it, it should be used as best practice to help people to do the right thing with their data, but it can also be used as an organisational control alongside other privacy controls to help reduce the risk of identification, but it also helps maximise the use of um, data utility as well. Hmm. So, so yeah, that's what we're doing with, with our training. Um, and as a company, we also help clients with consultancy services as well you know to help address their data dilemmas as we put them Um, and you know to like take advantage of their their data really to make the most of it but also to build trust and to meet privacy requirements and assure companies that their staff um, are really using their data assets appropriately.
0: Yeah. So is this, um, I guess, is the course open to the general data community or or is it kind of an organizational thing where the employer has to, you know, um, come and, and purchase with you, I guess?
1: So um, at the moment, we're largely working with um, organizations where we sort of like get a contract between ourselves and the organizations and they make it available to their staff. Yeah. Um, but we're um, we're also going to sort of have the course up on the internet so individuals can just buy it themselves too. Um, and at the moment they can contact us and we can do it, but we're, we're going to sort of just make it available quite easily via the web over the next select so like, month or so. Nice,
0: yeah. nice. Okay, cool. So I guess to kind of bring all this together then, Helen, for anyone listening here who, you know, might be thinking about you know, are we uh, the organization that I'm working for, the team that I'm working in, are we making the most of the assets that we've got from a data standpoint, you know, as far as data utility goes, what, if you were to kind of surmise the key kind of points, what, what do they need to be thinking about to kind of, you know, get
1: that answer, so to speak? I think um, I'd say governing data is more than addressing data privacy um gdpr and other regulations have a data accuracy principle and please don't forget about it (laughs) um data has to be adequate for the intended processing as well as being private um the application of privacy controls can impact your data so check it out you know there's an inverse relationship between the two things um, so you really need to apply your privacy controls in the right way so it doesn't cause unnecessary um, negative and unwanted impact on your data. Um, so you really need to get that balance of the risk of inappropriate um, identification, um, management with um, the loss of data utility um, so that you can arrange to do both. And it is possible, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if I had to pick, say, three things, which are the, the three most important things which seem to occur the most that impact data utility, I'd say, you know, watch out for how you minimise data. It needs to be done in a nuanced way at the right stage of the data analysis life cycle. Um, how to avoid singling out. Um, again, and it needs to be done at certain stages of the analysis life cycle so that you can still get the utility that you need. And watch out for how you link your data. There's quite a lot of worms there that can impact <laughs> things. So, yep.
0: um, yeah. Yeah. From I guess from the outside looking in, Helen, and I, I have this conversation quite a lot, but is there... Does there need to be more collaboration between the kind of, you know, governance, privacy teams, and then, you know, the the analytics teams and the data scientists and so on and so forth? Because, you know, I hear and see all the time, you know, t- you know a typical workflow might look like, you know, data scientists, here's your data you're working with, go and build as a model. And that's, you know, they're kind of whatever's come before that is to them, I'm not saying it's irrelevant or they don't care, but it's like, look, here's the day and I'm working with what I've got and I'll, I'll make something out of this. Um, does there need to be more interest and awareness, I guess, you know, from both sides of the fence to make sure, you know, they're kind of talking to each other more and understand, you know, the benefits of that
1: sure um it's it's absolutely critical um and the the course we've developed that's one of the the major um uh-huh. top tips And um, please do this yeah. um <laughs> if yeah. you only understand how your data's been you know sort of like processed before you do your analysis if you can check all of those things out you mightn't be able to change what's been done but you will at least be able to address any bias that's been incorporated in your analysis and be able to comment that and have it interpreted alongside um the analysis so that decisions that are made on that analysis are done correctly
0: yeah yeah fair enough no that makes uh that makes complete sense so i guess if anyone out there is kind of keen to explore the opportunity of, of working with you guys in the know helen what's the best way for them to to kind of reach you
1: Yeah, it would be to visit us um, at um, our website, um, which is www.itk.uk, or to mail us at hello at itk.uk.
0: Nice, fine. And you guys work can work internationally, right? Or is it just? We do. We work
1: um, across the world. Yes. Yeah. Doing lots of projects in the UK, the US, um, and Europe at the moment. Yeah. Nice. Nice.
0: Perfect. Well, look, Alan, thank you very much for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, a very insightful conversation. And I think this topic is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I think, you know, you, you know you've you probably caught on to something here from a market perspective. So I uh, well, wish you all the best with it. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll check in at, at some point through the year to see how you guys are getting on. Okay. Thanks
1: very Perfect. much.
0: Real yeah, pleasure.
1: Cheers. Bye.
0: That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Bishan group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.